Well, let's get into our message this morning. There was a Jewish man who who was complaining to his rabbi. He, he said, you know, life is unbearable for me and my family. There are nine of us living in just one room. What can I do? You know, the rabbi thought about it for a moment and answered, bring your goat into the room with you. Well, the man was taken aback by the rabbi and what he said, but the rabbi continued to insist, do as I say and then come back in a week. Well, a week later, the man came back, and he was even more upset than before. We can't stand it. That goat is so filthy, he was telling the rabbi. Well, the rabbi told him, go home, let that goat out of your house, and then come back in a week again. Well, after another week had passed, the man returned all excited and full of joy as, as he shared, life is beautiful. We love our lives now. The goat isn't in the house making a mess, and it's just the nine of us. It's all about perspective, isn't it? You know, things can always be worse than they seem in nearly every situation. There's an old saying, look for the silver lining. You can either despise your situation or you can look to the silver lining and make the necessary adjustments and then proceed to make the most out of the situation. But most people don't really enjoy life. They, they seem to endure it. People will go through life with real no sense of joy. You know, life becomes a series of chores and obstacles that they go through just to endure it. You know, there is no happiness. There is no joy in their life. They dream of what life could look like if only something else would happen, right? You know what I'm talking about. If only they could find the right job, then they would be happy. They would have everything that they need. They'd be able to buy all the toys that they wanted. They would be happy. Or if only I could find the right spouse, then we would never argue and we would always be happy together. If only I could win the lottery. If only, if only, if only. And too often people believe that happiness is based on perfect circumstances. That if everything is perfect in my life, then I'm going to be happy. And there may be a little truth to it that, that we may find happiness when, when we are in good search situations and circumstances, but having joy is not based on the perfect circumstances. In the book of Philippians, Paul, he, he talks a lot about joy. Even though he found himself in circumstances that seemed pretty dire, he still found a way to speak about having joy in his life. You know, Paul's circumstances were far from perfect. You know, he was put in prison on false charges, and then he's put on a ship to go to Rome, and on the way to appear before Caesar, his ship is shipwrecked, and he lands on this island where he's bitten by a poisonous snake. It sounds like an incredible vacation so far, doesn't it? Right? And he's bit by the snake. He lives, of course, and he eventually makes it to Rome, and he's placed in prison with guards who are watching him all the time. He has no privacy, yet he's still able to rejoice. Will you stand with me this morning out of honor of reading the Word of God? It's found in Philippians 1. We're going to start in verse 25. It says, knowing this, 
I am convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. And when I come to see you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he is doing through me. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that your word brings life and truth to our, to our lives. And God, I pray, may you help us to grow and experience all the joy that you have to offer us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So how can Paul stay positive while he's sitting in prison? You know, what is Paul's secret? You know, how can you be so optimistic in the midst of these difficulties? You know, how does he stay happy and positive and, and joyful in spite of the fact that everything hasn't turned out the way that he had hoped for? And so this morning, I want us to look at how we can live with joy through every experience of our life. And so first, I said, when we're filled with joy, it will transform our difficult circumstances into blessings. Joy will transform our difficult circumstances into blessings. Now, raise your hand if you've never experienced a problem before in your life. Right? Yeah, no one, right? Maybe I should say, how many of you haven't had a problem yet today? Right? Still no one? Right? We seem to encounter problems from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to bed. Because life is difficult. You know, some of the problems that we're going to have, they're going to be big and, and ginormous. And they're going to take an enormous amount of time and energy and focus in our life. And then there's going to be some small problems that we face. But either way, even the small problems are still problems in our life. You know, and we'll carry these problems with us. We'll go to work and we'll carry our problems to work. And we'll come home and we'll carry our problems home. You know, and you may have even brought your problems with you this morning to, to church as we worshiped. You may have found it a little difficult to worship because you're still thinking about the problems that you're facing. But here's the secret. The way you look at the problem is much more important than the problem itself. See, your perspective or your viewpoint of the problem makes all the difference. Let me help you uh, understand this by illustrating it this way. A couple years ago, our family got tickets to the Tigers and, and you know, our seats. They were in the nosebleed section in the left field. And it was so far away from the action, it was really hard to see what was going on in the game. And so since there wasn't many in the attendance because the Tigers weren't very good, we decided to move our seats to try to get closer to the action. And as we moved closer to the field, we were able to see the, the players better. The closer we got to the field, the, the better the view we had. We were, we were able to see the balls and the strikes, and, and if the umpire called it correctly, we were able to see if the, the player was tagged out in time or not. We were watching the same game, whether we were sitting up in the nosebleeds or sitting right behind the dugout. It was the same exact game, but our viewpoint and how we saw the game was totally different different depending on where we're sitting. See, your viewpoint of the problem, your, your understanding of the problem, your focus on the problem can make all the difference in the world. Your problems are not as important as 
how you look at your problem. And the Apostle Paul, he experienced a lot of problems, but it never hindered his perspective on what God wanted for him. Look at what he says in Philippians 1.12. I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. Now, most of us will never experience the hardships of Paul, and, and I pray that we never have to go through what he experienced. Yet he shares that while he's in prison, God gives him this opportunity to share his faith, to share the gospel of Jesus, and that everything that he's going through, all his experiences right there, are helping to spread the good news of Jesus. Now, God is big enough to take our bad circumstances and turn them around. He's big enough to make that happen. And yet all too often when we find ourselves in trouble, we take our eyes off of God and focus on the problem. And we try to come up with ideas. We try to come up with solutions and how we can get out of this trouble. The problem is we're the ones that got in trouble, right? I'm not smart enough to not get in trouble. And so if I'm not smart enough not to get in trouble, how am I smart enough to get out of trouble? So turn your eyes to God and ask God for his help, and he will carry you through. See, we need to remember that God is big enough to take our problems and turn them inside out. He's big enough to flip them upside down and to shake them up and to turn a difficult circumstance into a blessing. Romans 8.28 says, we know that God is always at work for the good of everyone who loves him. See, Paul's attitude towards his imprisonment and problems has encouraged believers throughout the centuries. The way he writes and, and continues to rejoice in what he's going through, his perspective of what's taking place in his life never changes. And because he continues to keep his focus on Christ, it has caused others to be courageous and bold in their faith as well. You know, we gain this new perspective when we keep our eyes fixed on him. And when we're living each day for God, we'll have joy in our lives. And Paul reminds us that God has a purpose behind everything that we encounter. You know, when we faithfully follow Jesus and place our complete trust in him, we have the insurance so no matter what happens, God will make it into something good. Secondly, when we're filled with joy, it'll help me to concentrate on what matters. This week, our son began the process of scheduling his classes for his freshman year of high school. And he met with his school counselor, and he came home with a list of all the classes he could take this, this next year. And so we sat down with him and we looked over all the classes and we talked about how each class would take different amounts of time and energy and focus that, that he was going to have to give. And that some classes were going to be more dependent upon his focus than others. And so we sat down and we talked about how it's important to learn how to prioritize your schedule and it's important to learn time management. And as parents, we try to teach our children about what is really important and what's not. And as they get older, 
They have to learn how to prioritize their schedule. They have to learn how to balance their school, their studying, their social life, work, sports, coming to church. And if we're not careful and we don't prioritize the things in the right order, then we can soon find ourselves failing in many different areas of our life. If we don't choose our priorities we're going to find ourselves running from, from one thing to the next, and we'll feel exhausted, and we'll feel like we've never accomplished anything for the day. And instead of being proactive, what we are is reactive. We'll run around putting one fire out after another, running from one problem to the next, reacting to every situation that life is throwing at us instead of being proactive and looking at the whole picture and choosing what's really important. Because sometimes a small little fire doesn't need your attention. And when we don't choose what's really important, and we miss on the big things, then life can get out of hand. Listen to what Paul went on to say in verse 15. It's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. But that doesn't matter whether their motives are false or genuine. The message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice, and I will continue to rejoice. Now, Paul, he's just excited that the message of Jesus is being shared. It didn't matter to him that, that people were sharing about Jesus so that his life would be more difficult in prison or that people were jealous of him because he had this incredible reputation of being a passionate follower of Christ. Paul just rejoiced that Jesus was being proclaimed. Paul understood that their motives were wrong, but the message of who Jesus is, what he did, was being shared, and that's all that mattered to him. You know, Paul easily could have got upset. He could have got angry. He could have got bitter because these people were making his life even more difficult and they were doing this just to see him in pain. But that's not how he responded. Paul's a lot better person than I am, I have to admit, because I'd get upset. I'd get angry. I'd get bitter. But if you want someone or something to steal your joy quicker than anything else, then listen to everyone who criticizes you. And the problem with listening to your critics is this. If you do this, they're going to criticize you. And if you do that, they're going to criticize you. And if you do nothing, they're going to criticize you. And so the problem is they're critics. That's what they do. They criticize. And so instead of listening to people who don't know what's really going on in your life, listen to God and follow after him. Don't pay attention to the people who don't have any understanding, but listen to the one that does. I remember our first years as youth pastors, I had a student write me a letter and hand it to me after one of our services, and this student was a, was a guest. They had just visited with us and decided to write a letter to me sharing their disappointment and how we were running the youth ministry. You know, and after reading that letter criticizing me, I have to say, you know, I felt hurt at first, and, you know, I thought, you know, am I doing the right thing? Am I, am I doing this right, am, how we're reaching our students? And after praying and just talking to God about it, you know, I, I felt God say, just keep 
doing what I've called you to do. You know, the problem was the student didn't know our vision for the youth ministry. They were a guest that night. The student didn't know that our students had been reaching out and, and bringing their friends. You know, this student didn't see how our students were growing in their faith and that people were crossing the line of faith and inviting Jesus into their life. This student didn't see the whole picture of what was taking place. This student only saw that we were doing ministry differently from what they wanted, and they criticized me for it. You know, we just continued to stay faithful to what God called us to do. And over the course of years, we saw our youth ministry just continue to grow and grow and grow. And it's been great to see this youth ministry still flourish, you know, 10, 15 years later. It's great to see how God will bless things when you continue to be faithful to him. You know, set your priorities to the things that matter. You know, for those of you that are married, think about how many arguments have you had about something that really didn't matter? You know, is it worth losing your joy and having a happy household? You know, I don't think so. You know, in the moment we get caught up in it, but then we regret it, don't we? You know, understand what is important and what's not. And fight for the things that matter and stop fighting about the things that don't. You know, Paul said that he wasn't going to worry about his critics stealing his joy. Joy comes from concentrating your priorities on the things of importance. You know, when you set your focus to God's priorities, your life will be full of joy. And then third, when we're filled with joy, it'll encourage me to find strength in God. You know, the other day I pulled my computer out to do some work at home and I had the battery fully charged when I left the office, but a couple hours later when I pulled it out to do some work, I noticed that the computer battery had drained to 62%. My computer was in sleep mode and for some reason the battery was just being drained. You know, there's, there was something running in the background that I was unaware of causing my computer to lose its power. You know, thankfully, I have a, a cable I can just plug it in and, and recharge the battery. But you and I, we all get weary and tired. We all need strength and power to make it through life, to make it through each day, because life gets draining. Life gets really tired. You know, we, from running your children from one practice to the next to fixing your co-workers' mistakes at work, you know, the troubles we face each day can quickly drain you, right? And it make you want to just throw in the towel and just say, I give up, I quit, right? Because that's the attitude we get when we grow weary and tired. And so we need to have strength. Paul went on to say, in verse 19, I know that as you pray for me and the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. You know, Paul's saying two things are, are giving him strength and encouraging him to keep going. One, it's the prayers of others. It's the prayers of other people praying and encouraging him and lifting him up that he's finding strength in. When we pray for others, it's a powerful way to help carry another person's burden. Because we're never meant to carry such a heavy emotional load all on our own. 
And so when we're praying for others, we're, we're promising to join with them, to link arm in arm in their struggles and in their pain and bring their concerns to God. And so when we walk alongside them, we're helping to carry their weight, lifting them up and asking God to bless them. 1 Timothy 2.1 says, First of all, I ask you to pray for everyone. Ask God to help and bless them all. And tell God how thankful you are for each of them. You know, it's so important that we pray for others. Because when we do, they'll feel it. They'll be blessed. They'll be encouraged. They'll be strengthened. And one of the great things about being honest when we share our needs and ask others to pray for them is that it creates this vulnerability. We become real and true and authentic in a, a real relationship and friendship where they get to see the real you. And that friendship is being strengthened as we pray for one another. The other area Paul said that gave him strength is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us strength. In Philippians 4.13, it says, I have the strength to face all conditions by the power that Christ gives me. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us strength. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us power to live as passionate followers of Christ. You know, he gives us the power and the strength to be able to dismiss a cruel word that's spoken to us by giving a gentle response. It's hard sometimes when someone says something mean and harsh to you to turn around and say something nice and kind back. It's difficult. That's why we need God's strength. He gives us the ability to respond to criticism with love. He gives you the strength to respond lovingly to your child who's testing every bit of your patience, right? That's when you need God's strength the most. Psalm 28, 7 says, The Lord is my strength and shield. I trust him with all my heart. He helps me, and my heart is filled with joy, and I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. When we trust God, he will fill us with joy. He'll give us strength to keep going. And God wants to give you strength and power to live each day with a life full of joy. And then finally, when we're filled with joy, it'll propel me to live out God's purpose for my life. Joy will propel me to live out God's purpose for my life. And what is your purpose in life? Or maybe I should ask it this way. This way. What makes life worth living for you? For some people, it's their possessions. You know, they try to accumulate as much as they can while they can. But have you ever bought something and you just thought you needed it? And you bought it and, and after having it for a while, you, you said, you know, I really need it because this person had it. And after a while, you still see it sitting there and you've never used it, Right? It's just a waste of money. And after years of collecting all the latest gadgets and toys and everything else, now you have to have a garage sale to sell all the things that you needed at one point in time. Unfortunately, our possessions, they don't last. They break, they wear down, they get lost, they get stolen. And we don't get to enjoy them. And so that's no way to live. You know, other people live for pleasure. And there's an old saying, if it feels good, do it. 
And the thought is, you know, if I can relieve my boredom of, or, or if I can change my mindset and just not think about this for just a little bit, then, then you know what? That's perfectly fine with me. Yet the problem with living for pleasure is that it passes away. It doesn't last. You know, think about the things that, that bring you pleasure. Think about the things that you enjoyed as, as a young child and a teenager and a young adult. And think about now. Are they the same things? Maybe, maybe not. Think about this. Maybe you loved roller coasters like me and used to ride them with your hands up in the air, screaming with joy and delight. And now the thought of riding them just makes you want to scream and say no, right? Because you know you're going to get sick. Pleasure fades. It changes. And, and so that's no way to live either. Some people live for power. Power, position, prestige, popularity, they all go hand in hand. And, you know, people will dress for success. They'll, they'll try to impress others because image is everything. But the problem is one minute you're famous and you're on top, and the next moment you're on the bottom. And so Paul goes on to say in verse 21, to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. See, Paul understood his purpose. His purpose in life was to glorify God by living for Jesus and telling people all that he could about how Jesus has touched his life, changed him, and died for him, and how he had done that for them as well. He understood that, that he, life is short and that eternity is forever. John Maxwell said, when you know your purpose, it gives meaning to your life every day. He went on to say, when you find yourself, or you find yourself when you discover your purpose, but you lose yourself when your purpose becomes bigger than yourself. And that's what Jesus is talking about when he says, if you want to be my follower, you have to pick up your cross and die to yourself daily and follow me. Because when you become a passionate follower, that's what happens. You understand that your life's purpose is bigger than you. It's about Jesus. It's about glorifying God in your life. So when you glorify God in your life, you're, you're glorifying when you go to work and you're living for him and, and, and treating your employees and fellow coworkers kindly and nice. It's when you come home, you're glorifying God by treating your family the way God wants you to. When you live out God's purpose for your life, you're going to have the greatest positive impact on the people that are closest around you. See, God has a purpose for your life. And the plan is greater than anything you can ever imagine. And the best thing you can do for your life is to invest it into eternity. Psalm 1611 says, you will show me the path that leads to life. Your presence fills me with joy and brings me pleasure forevermore. See, when we're living for God and we're living for his purpose, his life will bring pleasure to your life. And so how can we experience joy every day of our life as we look at our growth work today? Start each day with God. You know, if you want your day to go well, it would make sense to invite God at the beginning of the day. 
It doesn't make sense to invite God to join you at the end of the day when all the problems and troubles have already started and and are snowballing. Have him join with you at the beginning because true joy begins in the presence of God. And if you invite God into your day at the beginning, he will be there to carry you through and to help you with it. So instead of turning on the TV and watching the news or, or turning on your phone and looking at your social media, spend some time with God. Read your Bible. Pray. Pray for your family that day. Pray for your coworkers. Ask God to help you to make wise decisions that day. Ask God to help you. Ask God to help you share your faith with others. And then secondly, ask God for his strength. You know, we all get tired. We all get worn down. We all need to be refilled. And you see throughout the book of Acts, the disciples were constantly being filled with the Holy Spirit. Ask God to fill you with his strength. Because we grow weary, we grow tired, and our strength is going to fail. But we can trust in God's strength. And then look for opportunities to serve. There is joy in serving. You know, one of the best ways to experience joy is by helping others, serving others. There is a rewarding feeling that comes when you see how you have impacted another person's life. And so look for opportunities to serve here at Woodland. If you're not involved in a ministry, I want to encourage you, find one. Test it out. If it doesn't work out for you, that's fine. Look for another one. Find one until you find joy in it. And look for ways to serve your community. And then fourth, trust God to take care of you. You know, as you go throughout your day, you're going to experience both good and bad. And joy comes when we place our trust and confidence in God to take care of everything that comes our way. Focus on the good. Focus on what he's doing in your life. See, remember how you look at the problem will determine how you react. And if you want joy in your life, look to God and trust that he's going to take care of you. Let's pray. You know, life, it can get difficult and hard, and the only way to make it through and to experience joy no matter what is taking place in your life is to have Jesus in it. You know, what God has to offer is far better than anything the world can offer. What the world offers is false hope, but God offers real hope through Jesus. And so if you haven't invited Jesus into your life and crossed that line of faith, there's no better time to do it than right now. God loves you. He wants the best for you, and I guarantee you will not regret it. You'll still have problems in life, but now you don't have to go through them alone. God will be there with you, carrying you through it and changing those circumstances into blessings. And so if you're ready to put your trust in God, just pray this prayer with me this morning. Just simply say, Jesus, I thank you so much for loving me enough that you came to die for me.
And I don't understand everything, but I do know that I need you in my life right now. And so I ask you to come and forgive me of all my mistakes and all my sin. Make me a new person. Help me to live for you each day. And help me to know you more and more. And God, may I experience all that you have to offer. In Jesus' name I pray. And God, I pray for everyone here today as well. God, for those that are going through difficult circumstances in their life right now, God, may they place their trust and confidence in you, knowing that you're going to turn these circumstances around, that the pain they're experiencing now will be a blessing later. And so help us to focus on what matters most, and that's living for you each day. And so give us the strength to push through and to live each day for you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, once again, thank you so much for joining with us. And if you prayed that prayer with me this morning, we have a gift that we'd love to give you, a book. And if you would email us at info at woodland.church, we'd be glad to send it to you. And if you're here today, if you just stop by the booth there called The Crossing, ask for that book, we'd be glad to give it to you as well. This book will help you in your next steps and help you understand the, the decision and the prayer that you prayed for. And so please let us know. Also, let us know how we can be praying for you this week and email us at prayer at woodland.church so that we can be praying for you as well. Well, I hope to see you next week. Make sure you plan to join with us and, and invite a friend to join with you as well. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.